Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Jim's actually here today, so you get to hear you wax eloquent. Yeah, well, I look like a rough farmer today because I was supposed to be doing dirty work this morning and didn't quite get to that today because of the wet weather. Well, so for my attire, I apologize. I almost forgive you, but not really. I don't know why it looks all blurred blobs. I got to be running the show today, so if I get distracted, you just have to keep talking and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> you can't last, have dead space. You know? Can't have dead space. Last week we, I carried through. I actually stole some of Tim's thunder on First Corinthians chapter two. Um, as always, if you're out there watching, you know, make us a comment. Let us know you're out there, and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Man, it's been a busy spring. I was just sitting there thinking about trying to talk about what's coming up, but I think everything's done. We've done everything we had coming up. Did you ever talk about the doing the March Madness thing for the Bible? I did not, but thank you for reminding me. Um, actually, this is day three. I've been putting it on Facebook. We're doing a March Madness Bible giveaway. Um, we do that. We missed, I think we missed last year. We didn't do it, but uh, for the month of March, we take in donations for Bibles. And this year we're trying to outfit the church under a bridge in Tyler. If you're not familiar with that ministry, it's a ministry to primarily the homeless people. They actually have church under a bridge in Tyler of on Gentry. And, um, and they, they just don't have very many Bibles or resources. And so all through the month of March, uh, there's a link. Um, and I'll put it, I'll tell you what, I can, I can probably put it in the comments. Um, and I'll, I'll do that. But, uh, we're trying to outfit them with a, with a bunch of Bibles because they just don't have any um, and do that. So let me put that in, Crucibles, Fire. Not, do I know our own I know our own website? So if you, if you click on that link, I just put it in the comments. Um, there's an option of which campaign, like you want to do the general fund or whatever, but then there's one for March Madness. Just pick the March Madness. Every dime that comes in for that goes towards um, the Bible campaign. And so we can we can help them out in some way. I get so distracted when I have to do this. No, I understand. Man, I see these professional YouTubers, and they're like, they're running the stream, and you would never know it. But I'm like, I'll just realize, wait, I haven't said anything. I've stopped talking. I should probably not do that. Well, you don't um, have to be a genius to have a podcast, evidently. Evidently not. But anyway, last week we talked about this tension between. And I missed last week. I still hadn't been able to catch up on that. So, uh, well, we act, I actually spent the time at the end of the chapter, um, yeah, and and kind of talking about a lot about the fact that well, the first half of the chapter, as we had talked before, talks about that there is a wisdom that is godly and there's a wisdom that is worldly. I mean, yeah. that's really a simple, truncated way of putting it. Um, but that you know, there's there is that. And then the last half of it, which we talked about last week, was really kind of like he was he was reminding them that this is not an unattainable thing. This yeah. wisdom from God is not something that you have to go, oh, well, the mind of God can't have it. He doesn't. He actually is the opposite. He's like, no, this is revealed to us um, and, and, and uses things like, but, but he says, like in verse 13, he says, we speak in words not taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we push Bible study, uh, and I say push it, I mean, we were always talking about getting in the Word. We talk about, we use the phrase, you know, putting your face, looking in God's face. You do that through the Word, but there's an element of, 
of listening and following the Holy Spirit as well. I mean, that's kind of what he's saying is that you've been given the Holy Spirit and he reveals that to you in a spiritual way. So this tension that we're having between earthly wisdom, godly wisdom, uh, that sort of thing, he said, it is something you can deal with. It is. And I think even when we got into this conversation, you know, it was about learning the disciplines, uh, disciplining ourselves as God convicts or we see or whatever it is so that we will pursue the things of the kingdom. And we use Paul as an example of this specifically in the first part of this because he's, he says he comes to these people and when he came to them the first time that he came not in the wisdom of men to give them the message of the gospel. And we might go, well, what does that mean? What, is that, what does that look like? And so we looked at Paul just a little bit, just recapping here a little bit, uh, that Paul... Uh, you know, Paul was exceptionally well-educated. Right. He was exceptionally well-educated in, in uh, the Hebrew religion. Uh, and it says that he was more, he was, he was more along than any, than a lot of his teachers were. Right. And, and I take that to mean, not because he was in status and he was a famous guy, I take that to mean that he, well, I'll use the term academic, he understood the Jewish religion down deep, and I think he loved God. Oh yeah. And so he turned into this zealot to the point to where he's, I don't know if he actually murdered, but he certainly sanctioned it. Uh, and and he did that as, as a zealot. And then, you know, then we talked a little bit about, you know, Paul's conversion uh, when he became saved. He didn't lose all his knowledge of uh, the Hebrew religion by any stretch. He spent some time away and with some other people and just like he's talking about here, this wisdom, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he was able to put those things together to what they really meant. So when he's saying that he came to the, to the Corinthians to explain salvation to them, to use our terms, he didn't come in sounding like Ravi Zachariah. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, man, he fell out of favor. But I mean, you talk about a super educated guy that could really speak in plain terms about things, but he was exceptionally intelligent. There's a lot of other people that could do that too, but uh, my point is, is Paul could have come in and done that, and he didn't do that on purpose because he knew, he knew the nature of men. He kind of talks right. about man knows the nature of man, and he knew that people would come and turn to him and start going, wow, that guy, he's this and he's that. And he'd just been talking about y'all are arguing over whether, you know, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. That's the exact same thing he was talking about. Right. And so he, he, uh, uh, he says, I came to you in weakness and I just let the spirit tell me what to say. And that's what I said. Uh, and then he, he shifts gears and he says, but to spiritual people, we do speak wisdom, not wisdom of how man would look at it, but wisdom of how the kingdom looks at it. So that right. kind of brings us to where we are here. And so when Matt was talking about these things are obtainable, how do you see like God does? I think in our and I think in our natural self, well, we are. We're very two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. So you started out with this thing saying that. Uh, uh, there's wisdom of men and the wisdom of God, right? Black and white. Everybody would agree with that. But it's really more nuanced than that. Well, 
it is more nuanced, but let's let's keep on the two-dimensional. So when I say two-dimensional, just kind of simple. Yeah, I know there's wisdom of men and wisdom of God. And if you're a Christian, you've tasted that a little bit. But two-dimensional people that want to be spiritual, I'm not beating anybody up here. I'm just trying to do some relational stuff here. Maybe you'll run off in the Pentecostal side where it's all about the Spirit and you babble things or you flop around or you do whatever you do. And you say, well, that's spiritual stuff. That's looking at it from two-dimensional. So I'm doing weird stuff, but it's godly stuff, and that must be what it is. <laughs> well, but you can run the other side, too. Oh, the, yeah, and then there's, yeah. The, the, the academic side or the stoic side, you know, and that that's, what we're, that's what spiritualism is. And that's what two-dimensional people do. Yeah. It's got to be one or the other. And God's looking at you going... It's the same thing Well, if you have kids and they're telling you how life really is and you're sitting there looking at them going, you don't have a clue. You don't, you don't know. And then we speak of that from experience, right? So that is looking at it not two-dimensionally. That is looking at it kind of three-dimensionally. Yeah. And the one side can't do it. So with all that said, that's what Paul's trying to do. And on one hand, he's kind of chastising these people. I don't know how long it had been since their salvation and then he comes back to them, but there was some amount of time there. And he's speaking to them in a sense where he's going, you people should, or you can grasp this. And why do right, I say that? Right. Because in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5, he is talking to a Jewish bunch of people who have been saved and they're suffering for their faith in terms of being real Christians like we would see. And he chastises them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, well... We don't know if it was Paul that was chastising, but use the same linear thinking there. Whoever it, was talking, why do too? If it wasn't Paul, it was somebody that super understood the Jewish religion, yeah. and they also super understood uh, Christ and the salvation through that. And but whoever wrote it, I mean, he he really smacked on those people who were genuinely suffering for the faith. Yeah. And says, I can't talk to you like mature people anymore because now you, you got to be fed with milk again because they went back to their religious ways of doing things. Be, and this is kind of the topic of what we're talking about here. And that's what we're going to get into verse well, six here a little and bit. And it's not religion versus irreligion. It's mature. The issue in 1 Corinthians 2 and then over to 3 is maturity versus immaturity. And that's the exact same yeah. wording he used in, in Hebrews yeah. to those people. And, and it, so it's, you know, it's to see things the way God sees things is to move into a place of maturity. Yes. And so, you know, that's what we're always pushing. That's what we're always talking about. And, and in, in verse 6, what he's talking about, it says, We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are who are coming to nothing. He's like, I'm, I'm speaking to... Um, a, a wisdom among the mature, and, he, and he's really kind of, there's two things he's saying here. What he's saying is, I'm speaking this way to the mature, but the negative of that is, is also, I, I can't speak this way to the immature. They won't get it. Yeah. And, and, and then beyond that, there's the, even those that aren't even spiritual, they suit, they really can't get it. Yeah. You know, but even those who are, we would call, you know, you're saved, you're following Jesus, but you're just not mature, you're not going to see the things that he's, he's talking about. He said, "You might, you might not get it, um, and and but I'm but I'm not coming into you speaking to you like the world." Be, and I have to be careful here, but um, a lot of times we think that because something works in the world, 
in business or in sales or in whatever, then that'll translate to the church because the church is people, right? And so we come in talking in ways, administering in ways, organizing in ways that work out in the world, and then we wonder why it's not functioning well within the church body. And it's because, wait, no, it's two different things. Those systems don't play well together. Um, and the same thing happens when we start trying to explain, well, why didn't this work? Well, the logic would say that it should or that it's, it's right, but the spiritual logic, as it were, the spiritual wisdom would speak differently because it's just altogether different. Well, right. Does that so, make sense? Well, and that's kind of well, what I'm trying to work out here is what that really means. So in terms of our walking every day, I think intellectually we, or I can, I can get on when we're talking in terms of man's wisdoms and God's wisdoms and those kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that I'm spiritual necessarily. It means I've had a taste of it in its baser sense. So if you've been saved, you have the capacity to grasp things spiritually. But it all, the Bible tells us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And what yeah. that means is, is there's been something dumped inside of you. 100% in its full capacity. Yep. So you have to believe that. Our part is to let that work out and, and let our old self be sacrificed or put away. And you can say, well, I'm willing to do that. Are you? That's where we're getting at. Are you? Yeah. You say, well, sure I am. So here's, here's the part you don't, that we miss, I miss. I could be sitting here having a conversation and I have some level of spirituality or whatever it is. I don't presume that I have any. <laughs> kind of come to that point. There was a time I didn't think like that. But I've learned that there is still a lot of worldly thoughts and wisdoms and attachments in me. And so I may be having a conversation with Matt or Pastor David or or Patrick or and if you don't know any of these names, don't 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 Just worry. Somebody. But they're 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 spiritual brethren right with me, right? And we're talking about kingdom things. And I don't even have to be talking about me. Just I'll hear somebody's story or something, and something will zap me, and I'll go, I know exactly what's causing that problem in me, <laughs> right? It may not come out. It may not even be part of the conversation. That's not magic. There is a part of me that wants to pursue the Lord in everything He is. I make that, I, I profess that. I have evidence in my life that I've tried to pursue that one way or another but I'm still working my salvation out. Right. And so those pieces come up, and now that's something, what's happened there is, it may be a conviction of something you're doing, or it may be an observation, I'll call it, that the Lord throws at you and said, you probably have a tendency to be like this or see like that. Now I've been made aware of the, by the kingdom. Yeah. I may not even know how to deal with it really at that point. But you got to work that out. But That's I have to be point. humble of the fact that it, every everybody on this planet, Christian-wise, could be an axe murderer if you let your old self go. Mm. Now listen, <laughs> I know what's in me. Doesn't matter what my background's been, all that stuff. If I let my anger self go, it ain't like the Hulk where I'm actually going to do good things necessarily, but it looks like I'm tearing everything up. 
I can see in my mind's eye that I could get mad enough, not necessarily because I've been run wrong, I just get irritated or whatever, I could take somebody out. Now, I don't say that it scares me to death to even think that, but I know it's true. Well, we saw a great example of that even, and I, I know this is a sensitive subject, but even after 9-11, um, I remember everybody's response was, well, we just need to go blow up something. Kill them all. I mean, you know, the enlistments went up, kill everybody. I mean, and, and it was just, there was a hatred for groups. It happened in World War II, too, with the Japanese Americans. Yeah. Um, there are dark things that come out of your heart when you let it go and when you feed it. And, yeah, and then that was driven a lot by fear. Yeah. But the point is, is that it's in you, whether you like to believe that or not. I said that in a sermon somewhere. I think it was in Martin's Mill over here sometime back. I said something like that. And there was a lady in the back that went, no! I mean, she could not. <laughs> and I understood. I'm not condemning her. I'm saying I, I get that. You can say there's no way I'd ever do anything like that. You let the right situation transpire and come around and whether your fears are driving you or yeah. something like that and everything. And some things you just said, there's a lot of people that come to a base notion. Pedophiles, for instance. Well, my knee-jerk reaction, if I'm talking about how to get rid of pedophiles, let's put them on a list and take them out. And I would even justify that from a Christian sort of way, right? They've done these things. I can show you in the Scripture where that's about as evil and base as you can get. And the Bible says... Do them. <laughs> That's worldly wisdom yeah. is what that ends up being. There may be some eternal thought in that. That's part of what I'm getting at, too. Between the earthly wisdom and the eternal, there's a tension. Yeah. And you can fall to it at any time, which is why I talked about the Hebrews. When you read Hebrews chapter 5, 1 through 5, and actually... The entire chapter, the entire book of Hebrews, when you read that, if you step back and look at it from way back away, those people were doing the walk way more than most of us do. And this guy is just raking them across the coals saying, you know better than this. Yeah. I mean, he's kicking the dog while it's down almost is the way it, it looks. But from an eternal point of view... And the same thing here in Corinthians. Now, they're not as far along as those Hebrews were in terms of where they are, their salvation, their right. depth, and all that stuff. But the but the chastisement's really not the word I want to use. The rebuke. The rebuke. Yeah, that's a better word, rebuke. The rebuke that he gives the Corinthians and whoever was talking to the Hebrews, that's God's, that's godly wisdom. What do you mean you're talking to me like that? I'm doing everything I can do. Now your your earthly wisdom side is talking, right? But you grasp that piece of it. I guarantee you when he said it to these guys here in the Corinthians and the guy told the Hebrews over there, a range of emotions went through him. Hurt, shame, anger, self-defense. But 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 I've been but I've been faithful. I've been this. I've been that. I I get it. I feel. And it. who are you to come talking to me like that? You you realize what I've been going through for my faith? That's natural stuff. And I'm not telling you that it's wrong. I'm telling you that recognize it when you go through it. But that's what and that that's exactly what he's doing to him here. Yeah. And he's explaining in uh, so verse six, and I need to get to the end of verse six. 
yet we do not speak wisdom among or yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature so the mature ones are the ones that have all those same feelings but they've been trained to a point or they've been working with god to a point and when i say trained i don't mean sitting under the toolage of people necessarily trained by experience and by looking in the face of god yeah. They've been trained that when that comes up, they recognize it and they go, oh, well, that's earthly wisdom. Get out of here. And I'm, I'm going to focus on this no matter how hard it may be. He says, but that's how we speak to mature people. A wisdom, however, not of this age or of the rulers of this age. So I looked those words up. So this says, my book says, uh, uh, not of this age. So other translations make that not of this world. I see a difference there. I'm not telling you those translations are wrong. I'm saying that the way that it's spoken here is our creation started when God created everything, and that was intended to live forever, all of it. Yeah. The earth, the people, you don't die, uh, all that. Supposed to get, and it is going to live forever. So this is speaking from an eschatological point of view. Uh, so the word that they say age here, that is defined as something that this age is intended to be an eternal function, but because it's fallen now, it's still going to live forever, but there's going to be a change. It's going to be recreated, so to speak. Does that yeah. make sense? Kind of. Well, so what they're saying here is, is it's not just this world, it's this age in its complete function and then when it says the rulers of this age you can read that and go and you can look at it well just rulers you know like a judge or a magistrate or magistrate or a congressman and it, it that fits that's the same word they use for demonic stuff though right. too and so and you could read that and go oh, this is talking about the satanistic well actually he's talking about both yeah because the demonic realm does not have i think they can see eternal vision too but they want what they want, and they want to drive that away so that they can have it how they need to have it. Well, they want to have it. Want to have it, but we would disguise it as how we need to have it. I need to have my time. I need to do this. I need to do that. And this might sound kind of petty, but as an example for that. So I have eight kids, and because of my family oh, structure the way it was, I didn't have grandparents and stuff that were readily coming in and pushing us out of the way so they could have the grandkids and all that kind of stuff. So Margie and I, we spent most of our time, I mean, we had to have our kids around us all the time. Well, everybody, well-meaning, they always say, make sure you got your me time and right. you got to have right. this and that. You know what? I don't think the eternal, and I'm not telling you not to go do that. So just track with me here. God created us to produce. He also gave us the capacities to deal with that stuff if we will look at him in the face and contend with him. And so you don't have to have your me time where your family is concerned. You buck up and you pursue how it is you need to deal with. Matt deals with that all the time because they've got her, him and Tammy have Brenna. Their life never stops. They have a perpetual three, four, three or four-year-old in their house. You know what? That's the way God planned it, and they did it. And I know Matt and them, they get tired. Understand that. Absolutely understand that. 
But they would look you in the face and say, this is my duty in a good sense, yeah. and I'm going to do it. Well, and there's joy in it, too. In no, the there is, and so I don't, I'm not trying to say that you have to suffer and sludge through this, but some <laughs> of that is in your own decision. Yeah. And that's where he's talking about in here, speaking to mature people. Mature people have those feelings for sure. Yeah. But and, they will see it for what it is, and they will press on to the matured function in it, knowing that it there is a better function in it. Well, in a, in a real basic sense, I think part of what he's talking about, and he's, he's really setting it up for some other things, but is we either look at our circumstances, situations, and what's around us with earthly wisdom or godly wisdom. Yeah. And to look at things and then make decisions and progress, we have to decide which one of those realms we're going to follow. Am I going to do things the way the earthly wisdom tells me it should be done? Am I going to feel the way earthly wisdom tells me I should feel? Or am I going to let the heavenly godly wisdom dictate how I feel, behave, and practice? And um, you can't make that decision if you can't see the difference. And part of what he's talking about in the end of this chapter is, is that you can know the difference. These things are revealed to you spiritually. Yeah, and I would, I would say that different. I would say it's not, it, it, you will know. <laughs> Whether you had, yes, but I'm, I'm, I guess I would speak in the well, sense Well, it doesn't of, mean that you have the capacity to just go, oh, and shove it, and you can... Well, but I would also say that even well-meaning spiritual people don't always get that right. And so no, no, you may that, not know exactly right. with, a, with, a, with a certainty, but he's saying, but you can know. Yes. Um, just like first John says, you can know in, in first John five, you can know whether or not you're in the faith. You don't have to have this perpetual. Well, I'm not sure if I'm saying you don't have to, you, these things were written unto you that believe in the name of the son of the God so that you may know. And, but it's a pursuit. That's the working out part. You have to, yes. to get after it. You don't just go, oh, look, I said this prayer, and now I'm going to know everything. It doesn't work that way. That's why he says, and was it First Peter, he says, add to your faith knowledge, and you have to pursue those things. Um, yes. Because if you don't, and, and, and I'll get to the example I was talking about before we got on the air. If you don't, the knee-jerk, not even knee-jerk, your default response is to function in the natural, you might, some people might say. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's a tension. It is You're a tension. Always pre that thing is always pressing in you and stuff, but the more mature you become, the quicker you can recognize it and push it away, and it's not always easy to push it away. Well, the, and one of the things that happened this week is, or I guess I did it last, a week ago Saturday, or maybe it was last Saturday, I forget what day it was, and I, I posted a little thing on, on the Internet about, about Phoebe. And I said, you know, Phoebe was a woman, Phoebe was a deacon. And that's all I said. Um, and I did that to kind of get a conversation started because I kind of wanted to take that somewhere. And, and it worked. Um, and, and, and it was kind of polar. There was people like, oh, yeah, amen, and heart that and share that. And, and they even, in supporting the statement, were even doing what, I'm, what we're talking about here because they had an idea of what that meant. Yeah. Um, and then there were others that were like, no, she's not a pastor or she's not of this. And I'm like, no, that's true. It's not what I said. Um, and then I had a really good exchange with one of our dear friends um, over in Athens about it. And um, uh, in several exchanges into it, she made a statement 
you know, well, I was quick. I was too quick on judging what you and what you were meaning by that. Right. And uh, didn't, you know, follow through. And I was like, there's no apologies here necessary. It's actually what I wanted to do was talk about, you know, how we have taken, this is kind of an unrelated subject, but the church has taken the idea of a deacon and conflated it with an elder overseer. And now we're asking people gifted or called to be deacons to actually function as elders, different office, different <laughs> word, different yeah. everything. And, um, yeah. um, and so, you know, we have, it doesn't work when you don't do it the way God designed it. And that was kind of the whole point, um, was, is that, uh, but the bigger conversation for me was in this context, when we see stuff like that, that we have a presupposed idea over, or we have what we think is a settled idea, we then lay that over whatever's happening, the situation, the circumstance, or yeah. even the text, and, and we begin to interpret and apply our practice by what we have laid over it. Operating under godly wisdom, versus, and, and my point is that's earthly wisdom. That's the earthly yeah. way of doing things. It's just you go in with what you think you know, the godly wisdom is to go in and say, well, what is this really saying? What is it that the Father is trying to see me? How does he see this thing? And we can agree to disagree on a lot of stuff and the, the nuts and the bolts and the mechanics of it. To me, the greater truth that to, be, to be gleaned out of this is when you get to a deal like Phoebe, and it just says, Phoebe, some translations say servant, some translations say deacon. The word that's translated is diakonos. Yeah. The same word that's used some places to just call a servant of somebody. It's also used, though, over in the qualifications of an actual deacon in the church, somebody who holds position of leadership, leaders among servants. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I use that, I, the way I characterize it, elders are servant leaders, deacons are leading servants. Their primary function is a servant, not to be a leader, but they're a coordinator of right. sorts, of physical, of physical service. And a woman running a kitchen ministry at church. She's a, she is a deacon by definition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, whether she's been had hands laid on her, ordained and, and stuff, that's a different story. I, I would be okay with that. Um, is she going to be in the elder room? Probably not. That's not the role. She's just the service. But my point in the whole deal was when you have situations, it's easy to just go, oh, that doesn't really mean deacon. Yeah, because I don't think it really means deacon. The mature thing to do is be go like, wait a second, why is he using deacon there, and why does servant get translated from the word doulos in other places? Doulos meaning slave. Yeah, and so you know, to me the the because it, because it's like this. I guess the whole point I'm trying to make in that is is our earthly wisdom will say, well, I already here's what I think, here's what I already think I know. I'll just apply that to what I encounter and then make decisions. Godly you can take wisdom. your religion and it turns into worldly wisdom. Right. And that's what he's talking about, laying over. So that's yeah. exactly what happened in this situation and it's exactly what happened in Hebrews when he was talking about that kind of stuff. Whatever their pressures were. They were reacting in the natural, not in the spiritual. They went back to what that, and that's going back to what you know. <clears throat> And I can identify with that some because I went through a long stretch about three or four years because of something I'd got into it with God over. And I just said, I'm done. You want me to do something, you're going to have to drop it right in front of my face and it's going to have to be obvious because I'm not doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. And in that time period, 
I still knew a lot of spiritual things. I knew how to read and interpret stuff in the scripture. But I got real dull. Right. And I was not nearly as sensitive anymore. And so I was literally doing, even though things God had given me, the Spirit had given it to me and my interpretations and those things, it's like the shine of Moses, you know, when he came down out of the mountain and his face was all shiny, he had to cover himself up with a veil. Well, over time, as he had distance from God, that the shine on his face went away, but he was too ashamed to take the veil off. So basically, he was lying to people. <laughs> he was going back into his own wisdom. Yeah. That's well, how easy it is. This chapter and the next one. The next one actually breaks down some of the issues that come up from immaturity. It talks about the yeah. problems it causes. Yeah. And so I know, and we, we got to wrap up, but here, here's where a lot of people, you know, will, will come down to. And once you pass the, am I saved or am I not saved? That seems to plague people. Yeah. Well, you got to work that out, and that's a whole different podcast. But am I pursuing maturity? Am I a mature believer? People ask them, like, what do I need to do to become mature? Just like Nicodemus, what do I need to do to be mature? What's my checklist? <laughs> and I, I guess if what, I, what I'm trying to say is, is if you want to look in the mirror, let the Word look into you, and what's the litmus test? What tells me I have, and if you're alive, you have work to do, Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it may be a significant amount or begin to identify things if you, if your knee jerk or your default, knee jerk's not the right, that, is, that, that intimates just a quick response. But I mean, if your pattern of, of response to circumstances, people, truths, whatever, um, is just to do what you know and to, to keep rolling with what you know. And not and you go back to what's familiar, and not to 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 go forward, or to challenge, or to intentionally look at what is it that the Lord's trying to say. Intentionally look at, do I have this? You know, uh, that's the mark of maturity in this. Yeah. Is the spirit, the ability to discern, and the in desire to discern to discern. It's and, and really, well, you may not know yet. You may not have it figured out in the situation, person, or example. But there's a desire that says, I don't want to do this the way that I think that I should unless the way that I think that I should also lines up with His wisdom. It's yeah. not that everything you think is wrong. It just sometimes it doesn't line up with what God would have you to do or to think or to feel. Um, for us, you use Brenna. There are days when I get up and my natural bend and response is just to be poor little old, you know, I love you, but I'm tired. It, you know, um, this is probably too much information, but her her bowels have really been working well this week. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and um, at the risk of just being crass, that's a difficult thing to deal with with a 16-year-old. Yeah. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. That's too yeah. much information. But there's days when you're like, seriously, can we just have a day where we're not do? There's times where, but then it's in those moments where you have to go, no, this is the joy that the Lord gave us yes. to carry. This is the way that He chose for us to know Him better, and it translates into more love and joy for her and even love and appreciation for the burden that she brings. Yeah. And 
that is a decision of advancing in maturity or advancing in immaturity. And I'm going to tell you, personally, it's an extremely easy thing to just go back. The, even the deal with the, with the discussion about Phoebe is a great example. It's super easy to see that, dismiss it, go back, or to say, wait a second, what's really happening here? You know, and then how does that translate into the church body? How does that translate? You know, and then start asking those questions. Well, it feels we we went to a conference last Saturday where the the keynote speaker was a woman, and that had freaked people out. Yeah. Um. But she did great. I mean, she. I didn't feel authority was not usurped. She was under the authority of the church. If you if that was a big deal to you, um, uh, she, everything was proper and in order. My soul was fed. It was great. But it's easy to look at that and go, nope, cross that off. That's that's heresy. That's that's awful. Not even listen. And not even listen to what's going on. Whereas yeah. the mature response would be, wait a second. All right, I might, okay, let's just say for a second you disagree with that. But to be able to push through that even and find the truth that's in it. That's well, and listening to what she said, in the end, get past the part is she a woman or not a woman. She's up there. I trust the people of the church that have done all this. I may have issues with that, but I'm listening. And if I'm hearing word and kingdom stuff coming out of that, I don't care whose mouth it comes out of. I said this one time and I got in trouble because I'm not making a comparison between the two. But if God can use a donkey oh, to yeah. talk and bring out his will, he can use any of us, man, woman, children, um, and and. Yes, there's order, and I'm not saying there's not. But a mature versus a natural response to a situation that confronts what you think, that confronts your tradition, yeah. that confronts your, you call them sensibilities. The <laughs> mature response is not to dismiss those and then lean on your sensibilities. The mature response is to spiritually respond and say, Lord, what is it that you're telling me here? He may validate what you're thinking. He yeah. may validate what you're doing and responding, but let him validate it. Don't let you know. Don't let yourself. Do and it. your part of the work in that is overcoming whatever your frustration is. I faced the same thing when I with my King James. Yeah, it was exactly the same. I actually used to think that anybody that didn't preach out of the King James was not preaching the Bible. They were heretics and would not worth be listening. And I've to. been there and seen that, <laughs> and and it was ugly. Um, it's just not true. Yeah. It's just not true. Um, and, and, and that's a whole different conversation. Maybe we'll have that big conversation one of these days. Um, but I also, because I can also say the other end of that perspective is true too. There are people out there that do not have a proper view of the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Scriptures. And they just don't even think they're, they're, they're necessary. You don't need them. And that's not okay either. Yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, the Pentecostalism versus the gifts of the Spirit. You know, some people get into to doing that, and then they go off crazy. You know, they'll yeah. do all weird stuff. Well, that's too far. And then there's on the other end of the spectrum where, um, well, we don't want to be crazy, so we're not going to do anything. Well, that's not okay either. Um, there's a spiritual response to, to things, and He asks us to do it. He asks us to discern it, and He tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, you can discern it if you're seeking His face. And a worldly wisdom example would be we talked about, you know, the the wild end of the spirit, and then there's the other ones that get on the other side of that. And if you're looking at that and you're trying to use what would turns out to be uh, worldly wisdom, well, there's got to, it's in the middle. It's got to be in the middle. 
doesn't have to be that's, that either. That's that's worldly wisdom. <laughs> Say what? That's because you're looking at it in black and white in those terms. And the thing is, is God works in that whole distance all the way across and being able to interpret that and understand those things. In the end, it, so one of the things that popped into my head while we were talking about all this, and then we can end, we are overloaded every day because we're streaming stuff. We're listening to things. We Thank got you. kids and family and yada, yada, yada. And you're just... I'm not telling you you need to unplug. What I'm saying is, is you're tired all the time. Mentally and physically. Yes. And when you start digging in the Word, because at least in Second Peter it says that as you start tasting and knowing these things, it's on you to start pursuing the kingdom stuff. That's work. Yeah. Right? Everything we're talking about is there, you're going to struggle working out your salvation and you have to make a conscious determination that you're going to do that sometimes it makes you tired but we listened to a guy that's constantly been that, the yeah. other day and <laughs> it's a good piece of wisdom it seems so simple you're going to be tired whether you're pursuing the lord or you're pursuing your own sensibilities yeah one yeah. is going to be exceptionally productive now and later, yeah, one is not. Well, one leads to actually to the death and destruction. Yeah, and I'll leave it with this. And, I, and people always use this about sin, but I'm going to use it in terms of maturity. You don't stumble into maturity usually. Yeah, um, maturity can happen to you. You can be caused to grow up, but it's by some activating event. But maturity can be achieved by pursuit. Yes, it is a volitional choice to stay immature or mature. i've heard it said about the church in general before it's a mile wide and an inch deep yes. what they mean is we got lots of people and everybody's very shallow in their walk yeah i would much rather it be very skinny and deep um because well, those that's where the things of the lord are so walking in salvation and i think that's where paul is excuse me you can pursue the salvation and the initial beginnings of the Christian walk. And that's, there's a lot of folks that do that. Seed and the sower stuff. Paul's getting into these people because he's going, God has obviously shown you that now you have to start pursuing the deeper things of God. And you're not. And you're not doing it. And he's looking at them in the face, not trying to be, I'm the man. He's going, this stuff is evident, self-evident. You go and you it. have to pursue that. So I guess the for me, the sin of 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and then the sin that he's addressing, we get focused on the worship patterns and all this stuff, and it's all in there. But really the root of it is, is you are operating immaturely and you're okay with it. And, you, and yeah, you, you, I'm telling you what you're doing. It's like everybody always says in our culture, it's okay to not be okay. I get that, but I like some. I've seen some churches tag this on, but it's not okay to stay there. Yeah. And he's telling me they, these people, immaturity is acceptable. We understand it, but there's a time to get off the milk, get on the meat. And the sin that he was addressing was a comfortability with immaturity, and maybe even a relabeling of immaturity as that's really mature. It's wrong, and and we find that yeah. in our churches all the time, in our, our culture all the time, that. It's the, the problem is, is people are shallow and they're okay with that because they're not really pursuing the Lord. 
They're pursuing religious achievement. They're really re, uh, pursuing religious involvement, re, re pursuing um, social status or relationship or all these other really awesome things, but they're not pursuing the Lord, so they never grow, and they're okay with that. And that's true. Yeah, and I had that response I did, not because I see it. That's what other people are doing. I see how easy it is for me to me do too. that. Me too. So... Anyway, well, we appreciate you watching. A few of you got on today. Please comment, share the podcast. Um, please check us out at thecruciblesfire.org um, forward slash donate um, and help us out with the March Madness. 100% of that that comes in goes to the Church Under a Bridge Bible program that we're going to help them. Uh, guys, they pull up a trailer under a, under a highway bridge and they set up a church every Sunday. People come, they live. Some of the, a lot of people in the church actually live there under the bridge. That's why it's called what it is. And, and so help us help them. They give out Bibles. They take them back so they don't, you know, unless somebody just is shown that they're, you know, believers or whatever, they'll, they'll let them keep them. But they go through them. All the ones they have are pretty ragged and, and used up. And so we want to help them and bless them. And then we're asking you to guys to help us with that as well. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.